Hello, and welcome to the Lasting Impact Wellness Podcast, where together we explore ways to help you optimize your health and achieve sustainable well being. No one deserves to live an unhealthy life because they are overtasked, overstimulated, and overwhelmed. I'm your co host, Dr. Laura Hayes, and we'll be joined by Dr. Parker Hayes as we explore new perspectives and strategies rooted in self awareness, deep connections, and science based practices designed to create lasting impact for you and those around you. Please keep in mind this podcast is for the purpose of education, introspection, and community connection and should not be mistaken for medical advice. Be sure to subscribe and share with others. Let's be well together. My mother used to say, moderation in all things. My friend Bob has updated it with his own twist. Moderation in all things, including moderation. For today and beyond, especially when we are talking about chemicals, molecules, messengers, hormones, and the like in the human body, I prefer to say modulation in all things. Cortisol. The name alone can stress people out. We hear about it all the time, typically, especially in the social media world, as a scourge to be diminished if ever one wants to be calm again or lose a pound. What I hope to leave you with today, if you take nothing else, is that a healthy relationship with cortisol is all about timing and regulation, not good or bad. Many people complain that they can't lose weight as easily as they once did as they age, including that one guy in the mirror above my sink. Others note some expansion in their middle section, that middle-aged spread, as my mother used to say. We notice cravings, often for sugary or fatty foods, when sleep-deprived, stressed. We notice sometimes that as we get more exhausted from ongoing stress, exacerbated by restless nights, we may not be able to sleep well when we finally get the chance. Is cortisol the scapegoat for these complaints? Here's a fun fact. Cortisol is one of the only hormones that actually increases with age. I mean, it's in the room where it happens, but it is rarely the sole culprit, let alone the mastermind behind the mayhem. We like for our podcast episodes to be standalone events, ready for consumption without prerequisites. However, Laura's podcast episode on the physiology of the stress response really sets the table for understanding the sequence of events where we detect a stimulus, we process it in the brain or nervous system and release a messenger or stimulating hormone and then release another that really acts on other parts of the body to coordinate a response. With cortisol, recall that that is the HPA axis, the hypothalamus, brain, to pituitary, next to brain, to the adrenal glands sitting atop each kidney. It's worth going back and listening to that episode if you missed it. For review, cortisol is a hormone produced by the adrenal glands in response to stimuli, sometimes stressful. It plays a crucial role in regulating various bodily functions. It's vital for survival. The key here 
is that cortisol is great until it's not. We want plenty of cortisol at certain times under certain conditions, but want to avoid chronic sustained elevation that often follows chronic stress because then cortisol can have deleterious, indeed actually opposite effects from its positive functions. Cortisol physiology is quite complex, and so is its management. Having a disease that prevents production of cortisol is called Addison's disease, while a disease state with chronic overproduction of cortisol is called Cushing syndrome. Throughout this podcast, we are not talking about these important medical conditions, but rather the ebb and flow of cortisol levels that are part of the body's normal functioning parameters. Unlike other tests, say blood glucose, thyroid hormone, even ApoB, cortisol levels are not easy to measure or interpret. About 90% of cortisol is bound to other proteins, leaving about 10% as free cortisol, which is the bioactive part. This is best measured in saliva or urine, sometimes over 24 hours. It can even be measured in earwax. Measuring blood levels can be done, yes, and the free portion extrapolated, but they vary greatly through the day and are affected by many factors. So it's not as easy as just getting your blood drawn to find an accurate level that's indicative of chronically low or high states. So, perhaps monitoring for stress itself and the potential deleterious effects of high cortisol may be more to the point for most people. Cortisol is heavily influenced by the time of day and wake-sleep cycles. Especially given my work history, I am more than aware that not everyone lives a regular schedule of daytime wakefulness or nighttime sleep. But some of today's discussion is predicated on that kind of schedule when we talk about factors that cause cortisol levels to rise or fall. It's important to note that cortisol levels fluctuate naturally through the day even with the variations in our stressors. So again, cortisol is a crucial part of our body's stress response system. But chronic stress can cause prolonged or chronic elevation of cortisol levels, which can have negative effects on health. A quick sidebar here to address a question from a listener Although not a recognized medical condition in the traditional sense, so-called adrenal fatigue is talked about as a state where chronic stress has continued long enough to get past chronically elevated levels of cortisol and actually deplete one's ability to produce cortisol with consequential effects. While I will not be discussing this further here, And again, it's not a condition recognized by established medicine. I do always keep an open mind to further studies and information which may add to our nuanced understanding of stress and the endocrine system. But keeping an open mind does not mean sending money to would-be experts in so-called adrenal fatigue offering a quick cure. 
But back to it. It is important to note that cortisol release is not solely triggered by stress. It's the stress hormone, but it can also be influenced by factors such as physical activity, illness, medications, other hormonal imbalances, and even by seemingly positive but amplifying experiences, falling in love, physical attraction, certain music, One study showed elevated cortisol in hopeful children for two days before Christmas. But positive experiences that trigger cortisol tend to then allow it to fall and resume normal levels later. Chronic or excessive cortisol released can disrupt the body's balance and lead to negative health effects. The diurnal variation of cortisol refers to the natural fluctuation of cortisol levels throughout a 24-hour period. This pattern is commonly referred to as the cortisol circadian rhythm. The peak cortisol levels are typically highest in the morning, shortly after waking up. This surge in cortisol on a curve is known as the cortisol awakening response, or CAR. It's a natural response that helps prepare the body for the upcoming day's activities and helps promote wakefulness. Following the morning peak cortisol, levels gradually decline through the day. The decline occurs at a relatively steady pace with the lowest levels reached in the late evening and during sleep. During sleep, cortisol levels continue to decrease, reaching their nadir, their lowest point in the late night or early morning hours. This decline in cortisol helps facilitate sleep and the body's restorative processes during rest. The diurnal variation of cortisol is influenced by the body's internal biological clock or circadian rhythm which in turn is regulated by various factors, including exposure to light and darkness. And this helps to synchronize the body's internal processes with the external environment. Disruptions to the cortisol circadian rhythm can occur due to various factors, such as shift work, hello, jet lag, irregular sleep patterns, parenthood, anyone, or certain medical conditions. For example, Individuals who work night shifts or have an irregular sleep schedule may experience alterations in their cortisol rhythm, which can have real implications for their overall health and well-being. Maintaining a healthy cortisol circadian rhythm is important for optimal physiological function. Proper synchronization of cortisol levels with the natural patterns of the day can support energy levels, cognitive function, mood regulation, and overall physiological balance. So let's look at the wide range of symptoms that are profoundly affected by cortisol and sing its praises and then identify the potential problems in each. First, metabolism. Cortisol helps mobilize energy reserves, increases focus and alertness, and prepares the body for physical action in the face of acute stress or danger. Cortisol plays a role in regulating glucose metabolism, ensuring a steady supply of energy for the body, especially if you need it now. It helps break down proteins and fats for energy, which can be beneficial in short bursts. One of the effects of acute stress and cortisol release is an energy boost that helps prepare muscles for physical activity. 
and enhances overall performance. Hey, this sounds great, but excessive cortisol levels lead to increased appetite, weight gain, and redistribution of fat to the abdominal area. Are you suggesting I need to sleep more if I want to lose weight? Well, maybe in some cases. Chronic elevation of cortisol can contribute to metabolic imbalances such as insulin resistance, which may increase the risk of developing conditions like, you guessed it, type 2 diabetes. Cortisol can also change bone metabolism, decreasing bone formation and increasing bone breakdown, leading to reduced bone density and increased risk of osteoporosis. Ouch. Number two, immune system and inflammatory response. Cortisol can provide a temporary boost to your immune function. It helps to mobilize the immune cells in response to injury or infection. Some may find this surprising. Don't get stressed or you'll get sick. May not be true in the short term as the body raises defenses in response to an acute threat. In terms of inflammation, cortisol acts kind of like an anti-inflammatory agent initially, reducing the production of cytokines, helping to suppress the immune system's inflammatory response. And this can be positive too, reducing swelling after an injury or managing certain immune-related conditions. This sounds great too, but chronic elevation of cortisol can weaken the immune system making individuals more susceptible to infections and impairing the healing process of wounds. Stressed out all the time and keep getting sick? Well, maybe you've had some elevation of cortisol for more than one to two or three or four days in a row. Here's a personal example that highlights the daily variation in levels. When I was a resident, I was working a long string of night shifts and broke out with a rash above my eyebrow. My attending, super smart, Dr. Kearns, told me it was a seborrheic dermatitis and it was because my body's natural immune modulator was messed up by being awake. For decades since, I see mild versions appear when I work nights. Next is cognitive function. Cortisol influences the brain's arousal centers, enhancing focus, alertness, attention, and sensory perception. And this can improve your reaction time and decision-making in situations that demand quick responses. It can acutely, positively affect memory and learning by influencing the communication between brain cells. All righty then. But... High cortisol levels, particularly over an extended period, can negatively impact memory, attention, and decision-making. And mood and emotions? Well, we just said that cortisol can sharpen focus and mental acuity. It may even increase your learning ability. Are you happy now? Yeah, but it's influence on mood regulation with prolonged stress and elevated cortisol levels may contribute to anxiety, depression, and irritability. Finally, the cardiovascular system. 
When needed, cortisol increases heart rate and blood pressure, ensuring that oxygen and nutrients are delivered efficiently to the muscles and organs required for a response to the stressor. That's terrific. However, high cortisol levels over time can contribute to hypertension, impair blood vessel function, and increase the risk of heart disease. So, it rises temporarily during acute stress, and it has a bevy of terrific positive effects throughout the body. However, chronic stress or medical conditions that cause sustained high cortisol levels can have detrimental effects on health. Lest you brand cortisol a traitor, consider that almost any substance the body makes or uses has a window of effectiveness. Below this or having too little activity can be bad, and above this functional range can be too. Oxygen might even be an example. Every cell uses it. We work out hard to improve our VO2 max, the rate at which we can utilize it. Heck, we give it to sick people. But there is such a thing as oxygen toxicity damaging the lungs or brain. Who knew? Almost nothing is purely good or bad when it comes to the delicate balance of homeostasis in our bodies. Acute stress is a short-term response to a perceived threat or challenging situation. It triggers the release of cortisol and other stress hormones as part of the body's famous fight-or-flight response. This response prepares the body to deal with the immediate danger by increasing energy, focus, and physical readiness. Once the acute stressor subsides, ideally cortisol levels return to sort of normal, and the body gradually restores its functions to a balanced state. So how do we ensure that this will happen? How do we prevent continued elevation? Can't can't we just take something to lower excess cortisol? In short, no. We need to think bigger, more upstream, and manage the cause. If cortisol is always labeled the stress hormone, then managing stress is the primary method. Wait, don't just say easier said than done. There's more, and we should focus on behaviors that may have the greatest effect. So speaking generally, what, what else can we do? Well, we must capitalize on the circadian nature of cortisol release. While a number of factors we are about to discuss affect cortisol, it is folly to worry about which foods, for example, might have a minor effect on cortisol until one has addressed their wake, sleep, and light. So here are some tips for optimizing your cortisol, your modulation. First of all, we cannot just kill the messenger. Lowering cortisol is not always the right goal, nor is it always feasible. So let's pull back the curtain and reveal the real culprits. First, prioritize sleep and what you do when it's over. Efficient and quality sleep is vital for cortisol regulation. Establish a consistent sleep routine, create a sleep-friendly environment, and aim for seven to nine hours of uninterrupted sleep each night. 
I understand that few people truly have that, but if you get up once to go to the bathroom in the night, for example, but it isn't a long interruption and it's not accompanied by bright light and especially by your telephone, then okay. Yeah, yeah, we know. But further than this is establishing a reliable waking routine. Exposure to light, bright, natural light in the morning shortly after waking has been shown to boost AM cortisol levels and bring the attendant benefits of increased cognition and focus and energy. Engineer your morning to your benefit by boosting your cortisol levels. Conversely, avoiding excessive light later in the day, reducing stressors like your phone, important or disconcerting tasks, conflict, even dramatic or crisis-filled news or TV shows later in the evening can help cortisol levels to fall and recover, avoiding chronic elevation. What makes wake and sleep the most important factor to me is the propensity for a positive or negative feedback loop to be so easily formed. If we sleep poorly, cortisol remains elevated, which contributes further to sleep problems. Settling in with good sleep hygiene after a day of other appropriate stress reduction techniques promotes a fall in cortisol before the next morning's burst ushers in a productive day. Pro tip from my own life. If you know your day-night schedule must change in the days ahead, begin early to change the time stamps or cues. The German word is Zeitgebers, such as light and dark to expect and realize better results. Number two is regular exercise. Physical activity helps regulate cortisol levels. Aim for regular exercise, including both cardiovascular workouts and strength training. Engaging in regular exercise can help optimize cortisol regulation over the long term. Consistent exercise has been shown to help reduce overall cortisol levels, especially in individuals experiencing chronic stress, and it can contribute to improved resilience and more efficient cortisol responses. The timing of exercise can impact cortisol levels. Morning or daytime exercise, for example, can enhance the cortisol awakening response, the CAR, that natural spike in cortisol that occurs after waking up. And that in turn supports increased alertness and readiness for the day. On the other hand, engaging in exercise too close to bedtime may temporarily elevate cortisol levels, potentially interfering with sleep. Neither I nor anyone should tell you to skip exercise if the PM is your only opportunity to do so. It's too important but you will need to consider your own conditions and engineer your behaviors to your advantage overall. Third, maintain a healthy diet. You know, while specific foods probably do not dramatically influence cortisol levels, overall dietary patterns and certain nutrients can play a role in managing stress and supporting cortisol regulation. Following a well-balanced diet, that includes a variety of whole foods, can help support cortisol regulation. This includes incorporating fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, and healthy fats into your meals. 
Foods that are rich in complex carbohydrates, such as whole grains, legumes, and vegetables, and especially avoiding simple sugars and high fructose corn syrup can help stabilize blood sugar levels, and this can indirectly support cortisol regulation as unstable blood sugar levels contribute to stress and cortisol imbalances. This is actually another example of a negative feedback loop occurring. Did you know there is a real physiological basis for craving sweets and fat when under chronic stress, borne out in actual studies? Unfortunately, consuming them in excess may lead to further stress of the body with further destabilization of cortisol, setting you up for more craving. I did say that specific foods probably don't dramatically influence overall cortisol regulation, but here's a delicious possible exception. At least one study has shown that a square of dark chocolate that's greater than 70 to 80% cacao daily can reduce cortisol levels. As with our prior discussion, however, modulation in all things, knocking out a whole bag of semi-sweets won't do more to reduce stress or cortisol than the single square, but rather will likely have the opposite effect with all that sugar and fat load. Next is learning relaxation techniques. Deep breathing, meditation, yoga, or even your hobbies that help you unwind and reduce stress. Once you have learned and found methods that work for you, actively practice them to mitigate acute stress and to reduce chronic stress later in the day when some of the immediate day's stressors have passed. Engaging in activities that promote relaxation and stress reduction can help optimize cortisol levels. These may also include progressive muscle relaxation, guided imagery, or mindfulness meditation. Social support. Building and maintaining strong social connections and support networks helps alleviate stress. Spend time with your loved ones. Engage in social activities and seek support when needed. Being in nature has been correlated with lowering cortisol levels overall. You don't have time? Studies show that just spending even fairly brief time in a natural area where the eye sees the random lines of the woods or the outdoors versus man-made straight lines and organization can have an effect. Time management. Effective time management can reduce stress levels. Prioritize tasks. Set realistic goals if that's something that works for you. Unrealistic goals may increase your stress. Delegate when possible and avoid overcommitting yourself. Creating a balanced schedule can help prevent chronic stress and cortisol imbalances. And actively get to know yourself. Ask and answer yourself regarding what factors cause you the most stress. Being late? Organize an earlier departure. Traffic? Consider carpool or Be productive with a good podcast in the car. I know one. This may also involve setting boundaries, saying no to additional responsibilities when overwhelmed, or making changes to your environment or lifestyle to reduce stressors. Remember, optimizing cortisol levels is about finding a balance that works for you and your body. 
If you do have concerns about cortisol levels or persistent symptoms related to stress, or you ever suspect that you may have an underlying disease state, it's advisable to consult a healthcare professional for personalized guidance and support. Modulation in all things. Cortisol is critical to our health and survival, and it's not inherently bad unless it remains chronically elevated over time. But focusing too much on cortisol itself may be misguided. We must focus on the upstream causes for sustained elevated cortisol. Stress, disturbances in wake and sleep, poor nutrition, or lack of exercise, and only then can we hope to modulate cortisol to our advantage and avoid detriment. Well, that's all for today's episode. Stay with us for some great topics just ahead. Please remember to provide feedback or suggest future topics for us at info at lastingimpactwellness.com. Please visit our website at lastingimpactwellness.com to learn more about us and our programs for individuals and organizations. If you know someone who might benefit from the information presented through this podcast, contribute to their well-being by sharing it with them. We very much appreciate your time and your energy. I'm Dr. Parker Hayes. Talk with you soon. Let's be well together. Thank you.